Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura, and I am a graduate student studying climate science. If you're new to Eco Chic, welcome. I'm really, really excited to have you here. Every week, we're talking about climate change from a whole bunch of different angles, but also just personal tips on how to be a more responsible citizen of the planet. Today, we are talking with Celia. She runs the blog Litterless, so she is a full-time sustainability expert. Litterless.com is a place where you can go and read all about bulk bin shopping, creating a community, composting, whatever it might be. Um, She has a lot of really great resources, and she is a beautiful writer, so I really encourage everyone to go ahead and read her blog. She is also on Instagram at Litterless. I will go ahead and, of course, have everything linked down below for you to find her. Today, Celia and I are talking a little bit about community in the zero waste space. So zero waste is a term that I throw around quite often. Um, I briefly talked about trash earlier on episode two of Eco Chic, if you want to go back and listen to the first, second episode. Um, I don't know if that made any sense for a second episode. But yeah, so I would love to kind of talk more about this space that I am really passionate about, reducing your waste, reducing your impact on the planet, you know, just really decreasing the amount of stuff that you send to a landfill. So I'm really excited to have Celia on today to talk about the zero waste movement and how you can work towards a lower impact lifestyle without being this um, inherently crazy hippie person where you need to go out and change your whole life and impact your friends. You don't need to be a preacher. You don't need to be radical. And moving towards zero waste is really a gradual thing that you can do on your own, but also bring people along with you little by little if you're leading by example. So I'm really excited to be talking to her today. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And with that, we'll get into it. Well, hi, I am so excited to have you here today. Welcome to Eco Chic. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Hi, Celia. Um, So for those (laughs) listeners who might not know you, would you like to give us a little bit of introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yes, so I live in Madison, Wisconsin. I just moved from Chicago about a month ago, and I write the blog Litterless, which is about doing zero waste, but fitting fitting it into a very normal life, so doing it very imperfectly, easily, fluidly, um, not not aiming to exactly reach zero, but kind of just kind of just reduce um, reduce our impact through composting and you know avoiding single-use plastics and, and recycling a little smarter. So I write about all that on Litterless, and I also um, do community building, so um, hosting free community meetups 
and workshops. And when I lived in Chicago, I founded, alongside two friends, Zero Waste Chicago, which is a nonprofit working to move Chicago to zero waste. So now that I'm in Madison, I, I mostly work on Litterless and community building in Madison, but um, kind of all around uh, kind of all around your waist. Wow, that's super great. I'm really excited to have you on today. I was telling you a little bit earlier about um, how excited I was to have you on the podcast today because I've mentioned zero waste quite a few times just on Instagram or on the podcast casually, but I have not talked about it very extensively and I've never talked to an expert quite like you. So I was hoping that you could give us a general idea of what zero waste means to you, just like a really brief definition or um, philosophy that you take on to the zero waste movement. Yeah, of course, but I'm so glad to be able to define it myself because when I started going zero waste in 2014, the people who were defining it felt like they were doing it a lot more rigidly than, than I ended up doing it. So they were really trying to reach zero. They were keeping their trash in a jar they were working really hard to like, truly not send anything to a landfill. And I think a lot of people find that inspiring. But for me, I found it actually really frustrating and um, discouraging because, you know, I live in the real world. Of course, I couldn't reach zero. So I slowly kind of learned to let go, of, let go of the guilt of not reaching zero. And now I approach it really flexibly. So for me, you know, zero waste is the accepted term. But really what I mean when I talk about it is low waste or zero-ish waste. So I always think about how particular it is to different people. So, you know, you could be doing zero waste and still sending a bag of trash to and fill a week, but it's down from two bags or three bags. And it looks different depending on if you have a family, where you live, what resources you can access, all these things. So, you know, to me, you're participating. If you bring a water bottle, if you bring a tote bag, if you... Um, you know, say no to a plastic straw that you don't need, kind of all these small steps. Um, you can choose as many of them as you're able to fit into your life and know that you might not be able to fit all of them and, and know that reaching zero, you know, is sort of an asymptote. We're never really going to get there. I'm really glad that you just said that zero is like an asymptote. I think that's a really good way to put it because... It is, in theory, um, I thought a lot, at least these last few months, about the idea of a circular economy where instead of sending things to a landfill, we're putting things back into the production cycle. And that's inherently impossible because you're always going to be, you know, inventing new things. If you're building a new computer, like you need some sort of minerals that haven't been mined before or whatever it might be. Um, And as long as we are relying on unsustainable fuel sources we're inherently not zero as long as we're um you know moving Uh towards renewable energy that doesn't have a really sustainable storage structure like solar for example like has terrible storage batteries things like that so that's not Uh zero waste as much as you think you're doing it but um it's definitely a step in the right direction and the idea of zero being a philosophy i think is just like really ideal um yeah i love what i like about it um is also kind of what I was mentioning before where it is so accessible. Like, I would love to, you know, be making my own green energy with solar panels, but I live in an apartment, so of course I can't, and I would love to, um, you know, rely on public transportation only, but the reality in Madison is that, you know, we also have to have a car. So there are all these things where you're kind of waiting for, for a country's infrastructure to catch up in a frustrating way, but, you know, in the meantime, 
you can refuse a, a paper coffee cup and bring your own instead. So I love that um, it kind of takes away some of the frustration of being an environmentalist in a really unenvironmentalist culture because it, it puts the emphasis on these really small changes. Yeah, that's actually exactly what I was just going to say. I love that you brought up the idea that depending on where you live, you have different requirements for your day-to-day life, you know, based on your society, the resources that you have available uh-huh. to you. Um, and especially because you are such an expert in a big city like Chicago, like Madison, um, I would love to talk to you a little bit about finding resources. So someone who is just listening, learning about the zero waste movement, kind of for the first time, surface level ideas, how do you go about finding resources locally? So the idea of a bulk store or something else along those lines. Yeah, well, maybe let's back up a sec and talk about, you know, what resources you might be looking for if you were, if you were just hearing about zero waste for the first time. So I think of a couple easy steps right off the bat. Um, so, you know, one way to reduce your trash is to divert more of it elsewhere, and that uh, can mean composting. So um, if folks aren't familiar with why composting is good, basically in landfills, you might think that, uh, you know, organic matter would decompose the way that it would, you know, in nature, but it just doesn't. Landfills are anaerobic. You don't have a lot of oxygen, and so things that decompose in landfills do so really slowly, and also they produce a lot of methane, which is uh, greenhouse gas that's like 22 times more potent than carbon dioxide. So keeping stuff out of the landfill really matters. Um, and I think for that, you know, of course you recycle. We want our materials to be reused, but also composting is great. So composting is putting your food scraps and organic waste from your home in a separate bin and maybe that's a bin in your backyard where it, you know, decomposes into dirt. Maybe you don't have a backyard and so you're looking at alternative resources, someone who can pick up your food scraps and, um, you know, do the composting for you or, or a place you can drop them off to be composted. Other resources to look for would be, like you mentioned, more bulk stores. So, um, you know, most food from normal groceries comes packaged in plastic and zero waste is about stepping outside of that plastic stream if we can. So, you know, when you see bulk bins at the store, it's not like Costco bulk, but sort of um, those big clear bins full of beans and grains where you can bring your own container and fill up. Every time you bring your own container, you're kind of keeping a plastic bag or a can or whatever out of the waste stream, which is cool. So those are some of the resources I look for. Um, but lo- there are lots of others, too, that we can talk about later on down the road. So, yeah. Um, the thing that I think we don't talk about enough in zero waste is that, yeah, that exactly that, that resources differ so much depending on where you live, and I think it can be really frustrating to hunt for these types of things, especially in rural environments. Um, but, but it gets easier on cities, and it especially it's easier on the coast, like the East Coast in California. So, yeah, um, so t- tackling them one at a time, composting is so easy. If you have a backyard, it really is just about setting up a compost system of your own. Um, and you can do that a couple of different ways, just looking online, buy a composter, kind of build a bin yourself anyway. If you want to do it or can afford to do it, um, it gets a little harder if you don't have a backyard, if you live in an apartment or condo. But a lot of cities now, especially as your license and grows and, and as the awareness of composting grows, there are tons of private companies who have sprung up and they 
<laughs> Sorry. Um, they will pick up your food scraps for a small fee, like 20 bucks a month. So I keep a guide to this on Litterlist that maybe you can link to. Um, it's sort of like a where to compost guide. So Yeah, absolutely. I'll put that in know. the show notes. Yeah, so all the different tips. Uh, with all the different states and kind of all the resources within each state. So that's cool, and I hope that's helpful to people. Um, but also, if there isn't a service in your area, you know, maybe it's emailing a local community garden and asking if they have space for your scraps or um, plugging in at the farmer's market and, and asking around if any of the farmers have any ideas. Um, I think there are sort of always ways. There's this website called sharewaste.com where you can find a neighbor space in their compost bin and and bring yours over. So there are definitely lots of ways to get creative about it, which I think is really cool. Oh, wow. I had no idea about a sharewaste.com. That's really awesome. And I love the idea of, you know, this community of people just like helping each other out, whether it's a farmer or a garden or someone who has extra space. Um, I think Mm -hmm. that's just a really interesting, um, a way that zero waste really brings a lot of people together. It's about, it's not really a personal journey. It's very collective when it comes to trash. Yes, for sure. On the topic of community, I would love to kind of hear from you on your thoughts of building a community around zero waste goals. Um, If you are someone who is working towards zero waste, if you're thinking about moving into a zero waste lifestyle, but let's say you live in an area that doesn't have a lot of resources or a lot of awareness around the issues, Mm -hmm. um, how do you build that community and how do you talk to people about your goals without being like overly aggressive I know I think it can be really hard to talk about um environmental stuff without being preachy but you know we'll we'll try (laughs) um so I think zero waste is just goes hand in hand with with community because of a couple of reasons like I said resources are so locally specific so it's nice to not have to do all the research yourself to be able to find someone who can tell you exactly what they found for composting or bulk shopping or to have a friend who, like you, is trying to reduce her food waste. And so when you go on vacation and you want to give her, you know, three onions, she is happy to accept it instead of thinking you're super weird. Um, Or even just because having someone on the journey with you is more fun and you can chat about all the things that you that you don't think are weird but that other people might. Um, so how to find that community, you know, it depends on where you are. You may be able to find an existing one or you may kind of have to make it. Um, to find an existing one, I sort of recommend searching. Facebook and Instagram are where, where I've kind of found a lot of people. So on Facebook, a lot of places have regional, you know, just Facebook discussion groups where people swap tips. Um, so searching for one in your area, for example, um, when I was in Chicago, it was called the Zero Waste Chicago Discussion Group, and now in Madison, I started one just called Zero Waste Madison. Um, and sort of it's a community forum. And then same thing on Instagram. Um, so searching the hashtag for your city or state. So, for example, like Zero Waste Madison, hashtag Zero Waste Madison, hashtag Zero Waste Wisconsin um, might pull up other people doing the same thing in your area that you can just shoot a message to. And if it doesn't, then you are kind of going to become that person for someone else and become, you know, the 
the authority in your area that people, when they search, they find. Um, so, you know, if you're not seeing anything, you can still do the work yourself and people will find you. And also, you know, talking about it with your friends, um, just a little bit, I think, being open about your practices can help you find people who are interested in the same thing. I remember, um, you know, when I had an office job, I used to keep all my compost for the day in a bowl on my desk, and then at the end of the day, I would transfer it to my empty lunch container and take it home um, to compost, and my friend, uh, my friend who sat across from me was like, what's that? Like, why do you always have your trash in a bowl? And I explained that I was composting, and she was like, oh, I've been thinking about that. How do you do it? How can I get started? Um, so kind of just like letting community form itself as, as you're kind of open about what you're doing. You know what? I love that you just said that about composting and gave that little story because I had a very similar experience. Um, I keep all my compost in my freezer and I generally okay. don't buy frozen. F- I don't buy frozen food ever because it comes in a package. I don't really need it. Um in my diet anyway. So when someone is to open my freezer to like get ice or something, there's just bins of old food scraps. And (laughs) it inherently opens up this conversation of like, where do you take it? Oh, I've thought about composting or I've heard about that. Um, Uh You know, it like it forms. um, It's kind of like an interesting, awkward moment that turns into a great learning experience for everybody. Um, So I'm really glad you gave that example because I think that that's a great uh, way to describe it. Yeah, it's something that um, once you get over that initial hump of, um, you know, even bringing reusable produce bags to the store, someone else Uh will see them and be like, oh, those are really cool. Like, where'd you get them? Why do you do this? Um, You know, whatever it might be, it's just like starting the conversation and um, not necessarily provoking anyone, just kind of like getting them interested in your little habits that you don't need to be preaching all the time. It's just leading by example. Yeah, for sure. And I think what I like about both of our stories is not that is that we're not like, oh my god, you should compost. You know how bad food scraps are in the landfill. You are a total liar <laughs> if you're not composting or something like that. It's just like we're just doing it, and then people notice something weird themselves, and then they ask about it, which I think I think is a great way to have the conversation introduced. You know, I would never be like, this is my compost. You know, they're like my food scrap bowl. Like everyone should have one. Instead, it's just it's sort of nice to, to let people come to you, even if it takes, even if it takes time. Ooh, I, yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I think that it is really about letting people kind of pick and choose what fits into their lifestyle, too. Um, mm-hmm. So like you said earlier, you don't always have access to all the same resources depending on where you live. And there are some things like composting in your backyard where you can do it very um, self-sufficiently if you have the means Um before I let you go, I would love to just kind of hear a little bit about um, quick switches that you would love to recommend to people. Like when you're at a workshop and you are giving people information on how to move towards a zero waste lifestyle, are there any like really easy key points where people can start reducing their waste when it comes to um, just anything in their home? So we've talked about compost. We've talked about bulk bins. Is there anything else we're really missing? Mm-hmm. Um, so I am hoping that that reusable coffee cups are going to be the next reusable bag, sort of, you know, that one thing that everyone does. Um, mm-hmm. In most cities, paper coffee cups aren't actually recyclable because they're lined with plastic to make them waterproof. 
um, which when I learned that and I realized that every paper coffee cup that I'd ever like blithely tossed in a recycling bin was actually trash. I was like, oh crap. Oh wow. Um, so a really easy way to get around that is just to bring your own thermos. They are a couple bucks at a thrift store or you can, you know, pay $20 for something new. Or if you aren't ready to invest or you forget a thermos, you can even just sit at the coffee shop, make it a point to, you know, take 10 extra minutes and sit there. Most, most stores, even Starbucks, have mugs for here. So it's a matter of asking for that and then being sort of vigilant and watching the barista to make sure they reach for a ceramic mug instead of a paper cup. But that's a big one. Um, and then there are a lot of switches along those veins. I kind of talk about, like, when you run out of something disposable, a great way to go zero waste is just to replace things one at a time as you run out with something reusable. So, you know, if you have paper napkins, like, use them up, and then maybe when you're out, it's a great time to switch to cloth. Um, you know, if you have a huge stack of tampons left, maybe when you're out, it's a good time to choose to, choose to try a menstrual cup. So instead of, like, feeling like we need to flood our homes instantly with all these reusable products, I think are really a more slow and sustainable way to kind of just, like, do it one at a time. So maybe you're making a switch a month, a switch every couple months, um, but it, it kind of feels more natural that way. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned that about the coffee cups and just moving things gradually out of your life as you run out of them because I think there's also this stigma that... Um, in order to go zero waste, you have to, like, start from scratch, and it's a really expensive mm-hmm. thing to do, um, or it's a really um, time-consuming thing to do just to, like, refurbish your whole kitchen or whatever it might be. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that, because I think that's a misconception that we really need just, like, out of the space. Everyone can do it on their own yeah. time, do it little by little. Yeah, and also it doesn't have to look a certain way. Um, you know, you can obviously buy brand-new jars for your pantry, you don't have to use jars, but you can save, you know, pickle jars and scrub off the labels, or you can get jars for 10 cents at a thrift store. Um, so yeah, I think part of the whole zero waste mindset that is getting lost as it becomes a bigger movement is that um, it's less about consumerism and more about, you know, repurposing and choosing to buy only what we really need. And I think that a little bit gets lost in the quest for us all to have like the quote-unquote perfect looking home. Yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned all of that. Um, Celia, before I let you go, where can everybody find you online? So I will have all your links down below for Litterless and also um, the Compost Finder, but where else can everyone find you? Yeah, um, I'm on Instagram at, uh, litter- at Litterless, um, Twitter and Facebook, of course, and then um, if anyone is in, in the Midwest or in the Madison area, uh, you can come join our Facebook group, which is just starting, and it's really fun. So I'd love for people to come. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Laura, for having me. It was great <laughs> to chat. <laughs> thank you. Instead of a pro tip today, I would like to talk a little bit about my experience in community and zero waste. So um, just briefly, I mentioned to Celia that I have this experience quite often where people open my freezer and it's just full of food scraps to compost, which is a really great way for me to talk about leading by example. However, I would definitely like to talk a little bit about trash more generally. These last four months, I have been living alone. I had a roommate and she brought a trash can and when she moved out early, she took the trash can with her. So I was just living without a trash can for four months. And honestly, it didn't really impact me that much because a lot of my kitchen trash 
it doesn't really exist anymore. Like, I just don't throw things away. So it was fine. But the issue was that I was still hosting people. I was still having dinner parties. People were still coming to my apartment and bringing their own items and they needed to throw things out or they needed to recycle things or there were some things that just couldn't go in my compost bin. So we were just like throwing things away in reusable or not reusable, but repurposed plastic grocery bags or other things that people had brought. You know, of course, recycling as much as we could and composting as much as we could, but there was some issues there. So the point of the story is I could control what was going into my trash can. I was controlling the fact that I myself was not producing anything that needed to go to a landfill. However, you really can't control what comes into your home and you can't control what your friends do. So this is kind of a lesson for everybody in the idea that zero waste is a really personal thing and it's awesome to talk about it and it's awesome to inspire people, but please don't go out there and like feel like you need to change the world because it's really one person at a time and you do what works for you. So not having a trash can works for me, but just because that's the case, that doesn't need to be your journey to a more sustainable lifestyle. Maybe what works for you is only composting or maybe what works for you is, um, you know, only taking public transportation. That's a really sustainable move that we don't talk about enough. So in closing, sustainability is a really personal thing. What works for me does not have to work for you. And you don't have to do everything to be an environmentalist. Do what fits into your lifestyle and do what's realistic. It's not a sustainable habit if you can't maintain it for a really long time. So sustainability is also about being realistic with yourself. So I guess today's pro tip is be realistic with yourself when it comes to sustainability. Zero is great. But again, like Celia said, zero is an asymptote. It's not really there. I will have Celia's links all down below as per usual, so you can find her on litterlist.com. You can find her on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can definitely join a community group, and I will have her composting resources also listed down below. I'm really excited that she told me about that because I am always looking for new places to compost, and I think that's something that's a little bit hard for our generation, especially if you're a renter and you don't have a backyard composting is kind of intimidating to do if you have to physically take it somewhere. So I will have everything linked down below for all of us to share resources and grow in this movement together. You can find me on Instagram. I am at Laura E. Diaz. That is the easiest way to get in contact with me if you want to DM me about science or sustainability or anything like that. I'm really happy to chat. You can also email me, laura at lauraediaz.com. Um, and lauraediaz.com is a place where I just write about sustainability and climate change more in depth. So this week I spoke about the circular economy, which is really pertinent to this episode of the podcast. If you're interested in reading a little bit more about what that theory is, why it doesn't really make sense. Um, and then I talk about other things just like, you know, why does organic food matter? And a little bit about my national park adventures, things like that. So if you're interested in reading more about things that I write about, lauraedias.com. There are new episodes of Eco Chic every Tuesday. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. So you can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, really wherever. And make sure that while you're on one of those apps, you go ahead and rate and review this podcast. That is how people find out about us, and that's how we can keep growing and bringing cool people on to talk to us. So I'm really, really thankful to everyone who's sent some support, some good vibes, etc. Otherwise, I will see you guys next Tuesday. I hope you have a really great day. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.